All right, so let's jump in with this question, what is the Bible? I'm going to go through just a, like a little bit of, hey, Dashers, some trivia of sorts and just some background, some stuff from Wikipedia, if you will, but things that I think are interesting. And then we'll jump into our poll, and then we'll start to answer these questions that I alluded to. All right, so the Bible, um, does anyone know what the word the Bible means? Isn't that weird? <laughs> I don't think I did either. It's from uh, Koine Greek, and it's Tabiblia, and it means the books. So there you go. Um, and obviously, it's a collection of sacred texts and scriptures that were written in three languages, Hebrew, mostly Aramaic, and then Koine Greek. Um, we believe the Bible is inspired word of God. Obviously, from a historical perspective, some people don't. Um, that's kind of the emphasis that we're going to place on it this morning, that this is the word of God. Okay. So we're in church. This is what we believe. It's a big deal. I think what we'll probably find in the poll is that we believe a little bit differently about those sorts of specific questions, which is going to be interesting. Um, it obviously serves as a record of the relationship between God and his people over thousands of years. Um, there's obviously disagreement among religions, uh, both Christian and non-Christian, and also different types of Christian churches. So we talked about like the Greek Orthodox Church, how many books they have in their Bible. It's a lot more than we have. Catholic Church has more books than we have. Uh, obviously, different denominations see that a little bit differently, too. What is canonical or what is authoritative is going to be different. Um, what we would accept in this church is that there are 66 books that are the canon. Hey, guys. Um, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And this was established, most people would say, about the 5th century. Okay? Um, it was then reestablished and reaffirmed in the Reformation in the 1500s. So that's a movement by Luther and others. And then the Catholic Church kind of came back and reacted to that with what I believe was called the Council of Trent to de determine what their Bible was going to be, which is pretty similar, but it, as they alluded to in the video, it's a little different. Um, I think this is interesting because I didn't know this, but when did the Bible get chapters? When did it get verses? Just randomly you're thinking, I don't know. When do you think it got chapters? Any guesses? Um, probably a little before then for chapters. 13th century, uh, Stephen Langton, whoever that guy is. I think he's dead now. Um, it was divided into verses, though, in the 16th century. There was a French printer named Robert Estienne. So there you go uh, for what that's worth. Uh, influence of the Bible. How influential is the Bible? And so obviously we believe that the Bible is inspired word of God. A lot of people don't, but regardless of whether you think it's inspired or not, you could say that it is the most influential book in all of history. Uh, Time in 2007 said it has done more to shape literature, history, entertainment, and culture than any book ever written. Its influence on world history is unparalleled and shows no signs of abating. Uh, the first, uh, you know, moving type printed document was the Gutenberg Bible. So if you're going to start with something that's like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to make a Bible. Okay, obviously it's a big deal. Uh, the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. The estimated total sales, and how does one estimate that? I don't know but it's five billion copies, and it sells today about 100 million copies annually. It's obviously been translated into you know, hundreds of languages and things like that. Um, and so there are a lot of directions we could go again with this study. Uh, the direction I'm gonna go is based on the book that David has selected, and it's a good book, and there are a lot of huge questions, and of course, you could talk about what is the Bible for a while. We're gonna do it in one day. Um, and so he asks four basic questions. The author is Wayne Grudem. And the questions are, namely, is the Bible authoritative, is it clear, is it necessary, and is it sufficient? So is it authoritative, is it clear, necessary, or sufficient? 
So before we look at those questions, though, I want to get a poll to see what you people think. So here's the link to the poll. It's been emailed out. I would love it if everyone is able to participate. I'm not going to know your answers. No one else is going to know your answers. <coughs> also, don't answer differently than you normally would just to be weird, okay, just to ruin it, okay? Okay, Grant. Just kidding. Um, and uh, don't think too uh, hard about it because I don't want to take forever on them. So just answer the first way you think as we uh, ask the question, and I'll do my best to kind of explain what I'm getting at, and I hope it works. Oh, the link, you can see it actually up here. I didn't realize there were. There's also QR codes if you want to scan those to get in. And I'll write the link here. Okay. Is anyone having a hard time getting in? And if you are, just raise your hand and we can help. Looks like we got 23 people in. That's probably like 60% of the room. You getting it? No. Okay. I'll give you 30 seconds. Okay. 26. Oh, people are already voting. Okay, so the first question. Is the Bible authoritative, um, or sorry, the Bible is authoritative, then you're going to strongly agree, agree, you're going to say you're neutral, disagree, you're strongly disagree. That's going to be the format for most of the questions. Um, and so I would say of authority, because you could take that any way you want. The term biblical authority refers to the extent to which commandments and doctrines within the Old and New Testament scriptures are authoritative over humans' belief and conduct. So does the Bible have authority? Everyone got their votes in? Probably shouldn't show the results. That kind of ruins it. So vote before you look at the results. That's what I, sh I shouldn't be showing the results. Sorry. Okay. Um, let's see if this works. Nope. Let's stay over here. All right. The Bible is... Yeah. The Bible is clear. It's easy to understand. And don't look. Answer, answer to yourself. Like we got about 29. Some votes changing, maybe. Okay. And we'll come back around and look at these. Um, the Bible is necessary, and I put a little detail in here. It's necessary to become a Christian, live as a Christian, and grow as a Christian. Okay. The Bible is sufficient. And you could say that, that it's, it's enough. And maybe a little bit more detail. The Bible contains all the words of God that a person needs to become a Christian, live as a Christian, and grow as a Christian. So it's enough. It's sufficient. There's nothing missing. Okay. 
Um, the Bible is inerrant. This means that it's without error in any aspect, spoken by God and written down in its perfect form by humans. <clears throat> this is so fun to watch. <laughs> if someone's listening on the podcast, they're having a blast right now. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> it's a battle between uh, neutral and strongly agree there. No one has strongly disagreed yet. Now someone will do it, just to be. All right. The Bible is the inspired word of God. This is a belief that God, through the Holy Spirit, intervened and influenced the words, message, and collation of the Bible. We've got like three or four more. Quick votes there. Okay. The Bible is still relevant today. This would be, you know, the idea that it still applies to us today in the same way that it did when it was written. It's still relevant. Maybe not in the exact same way, but still relevant, still pertains to us. Y'all are so quick. All right. I believe it is important to read the Bible. Okay. I have read the entire Bible from start to finish at least once. You can't agree or strongly agree. You just, it's yes or no. That just means if you read the whole thing, it doesn't mean you like sat down and you've like gone through it or that you've gone chronologically even necessarily, just you've read the whole thing. So that I should have written it a little differently. I don't think that probably changes it for most people, but so 20% yes, 80% no. And then here is uh, this one. So I read the Bible seven days a week, so every day, four to six days a week, one to three days a week, one to three times a month, or one to three times a year. If you don't write, read it any, you don't get an option, okay? <laughs> Surely, at least one time a year, there's something. You read like, it on the screen. Like on the screen. You'll read it today. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm guessing if I hit stop, will I be able to see the answers, the results? I don't even know. Okay, so we can go through these really quickly. The Bible is authoritative. Uh, most of us strongly agree. That's 84% and 16% agree. So we think it has authority. So no one disagrees with that. That's, that's good. The Bible is clear. No one strongly agrees with that. Okay, so we'll talk about that. Most agree, some are sort of in the middle, which I guess, oh, someone now strongly disagrees. Thank you, whoever that was. Um, I guess neutral is to say, well, some of it's clear and some of it's not, and then some disagree. The Bible is necessary to become a Christian, live as a Christian, and grow as a Christian. Most strongly agree or agree. Some are sort of unsure, and then uh, maybe two disagree. The Bible is sufficient. This one's a little bit all, all over the place. Um, so some, most agree or strongly disagree. Some are neutral, some disagree. The Bible is inerrant. Maybe this is our one that we can't agree on. Uh, it's really all over the place. And in fact, most people are neutral. 25% disagree. The Bible is inspired word of God. Almost everyone strongly agrees with that. There's 8% that just agree. The Bible is still relevant today. Similarly, most strongly agree. 80%, 20% agree. Um, I believe it is important to read the Bible. Uh, most everyone strongly agrees. 8% just agreed. No one disagrees. 
Uh, I've read the entire Bible from start to finish. This is an interesting one. 20% uh, say yes, 80% say no. I read the Bible. Most people read the Bible one to three days a week. Um, we've got 9% that do it seven days a week. That's pretty good. Okay. So just to get kind of a baseline there, that's about what I expected, I guess. Um, and then we'll look at these questions and kind of see and kind of unpack some of them. And after this, some of your answers may change in one direction or the other. I don't know. Um, I guess on those uh, poll results, what, what's sort of interesting to you? What stands out from those? I think it was interesting. Most people agreed that it was the inspired word of God. It's directly the words of God. But then there were several that said that they felt like there were errors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on how you take the question, because I think you could say it's inspired, and yet there's still errors maybe in how it's been copied or how it's presented. Or, um, so I don't think that like inspiration is a, means that 100% of it, I guess you could have that belief that, yeah, some of it's inspired, but some of it's maybe not what it should be. Or maybe that humans, anything a human does has the potential for error. Hmm. Maybe God's message to them was perfect, but then when they transcribed it, there was some error in there. So, mm -hmm. like, I think more people believed it was inspired, the inspired word of God, than believed, at least felt strongly, that it was authoritative. I thought that was interesting <clears> to <throat> Yeah. But a lot thought it was authoritative. No one disagreed that it was authoritative, which is interesting. Um, it's kind of interesting that uh, five billion copies of a book, pick any book, five billion copies have been bought but this room as a representative of the rest of the world. Only 20% of us have read the whole book. Yeah. Interesting. Is there any other book that you'd spend that much money to buy and only 20% of the world read the whole thing? Hmm. <coughs> That's a good point. I wonder what that book... I'm, now I'm trying to think of a book. Yeah. Eat, eat, Pray, Love, maybe? I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we'd be a high who moved the cheese or whatever? Who moved my cheese? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I wonder what the percentage of books that are purchased are read anyway. I would, I would assume it's higher than 20%. Yeah. It stands to reason, though, because the Bible is pretty long and right. at times unclear and difficult to get through. I'd like to see that percentage change. That's, I think that's the one that I expected to kind of be like, oh. Um, and I'm not standing here like Mr. Bible Expert. I've read through it once, I, I would say, like the whole way one time. I mean, that's, that's you know, so it's like I'm standing on a mountain here saying, I read all, you know, I'm trying to get through it some more. I think it's very important. Um, anything else that stands out? Okay. Let's jump into this. So we're going to do these four questions. The first one is the Bible, is it authoritative? So what I hope to answer is, you know, I expected that more people would say maybe it was not. And maybe you could say that it's authoritative in part, but some issues you take question with. So to me, if you say it's authoritative and you strongly agree, that means that when there's a direct statement in the Bible, you take that as there's authority there and you're going to follow it. I don't know that that's really how we live exactly, um, but I realize a question like that's only so perfect. Um, so why are we starting our series on 20 questions, these basics that every Christian should know, with a question of what is the Bible? I think the answer is pretty obvious, that if this is God's Word, then that's the best place to start. Okay. That's the best place to start on how we understand how we should live as Christians is this is what God says, this is where we should, we should go. It's the most logical place to start. Um, and I think it's clear from this poll, and that's why I did it first, is that we don't all necessarily agree on what the Bible is exactly or what the conclusions of what the Bible is exactly are. 
Um, but we, uh, what I'm going to say and what this author says is that the uh, Bible, all the words in the Bible are God's words. Okay? So I think that's a big statement, and I kind of stumbled over it, so I'm going to say it again. Um, all the words in the Bible are God's words. The question to that would be, do you believe that? Obviously, some would say, well, no, sort of, I'm not sure. Um, but I think that's a really important question to think through as we engage with the Bible, as we sit in a sermon and we listen to someone speak from the Bible. We really do need to understand what it is. If we don't believe that it's the Word of God, then that brings on all sorts of questions. Well, what part is the Word of God? What part is inspired? What that we have, how accurate is it? If it's only so accurate, how do we know which parts are accurate? What do we listen to? What do we not? I mean, that's a huge, huge question that I think a lot of us probably kind of push down if that comes to the surface. We're like, well, I don't want to worry about that, okay? Myself included. Um, but the point is, is that if you believe that every word of the Bible is God's word, then when we disobey those words, we disobey God himself, all right? So if you believe that these are God's words and you don't obey it, it's as if you're obeying him to his face, effectively. Uh, yesterday, Libby uh, was out. We had some people uh, putting countertops in, and they had this little trailer, and there was a ramp. And I don't know if she figured this out on herself or had seen someone else doing it. I have no idea. But she got on her little bike and was going down the ramp. And it was, like, kind of dangerous. And I'm like a wimpy dad. I, I can just imagine Grant, like, encouraging <laughs> Libby to do this. But I'm like, don't do that. Like, I, I just saw her, like, landing on her face and breaking all her teeth and stuff which I would have fixed, or I would have had Grant fix. Um, but I didn't like it. There were some other details to it that I won't go into, but the, the simple thing is that Anna told her not to do that, which I didn't know at the time. And I came out, saw her doing it, and I said, like, Libby, don't do that again. She was in the trailer. She'd just done it. She, she'd wheel back in as I was telling her that. She looked at me, and she did it again. And even before that, I said, if you do it, you'll be in major trouble. And when usually she would say, okay, and then she would, but she did it. I was like, okay. So I walked her up, spanked her, uh, put her in timeout for uh, 30, 40 minutes, something like that. And uh, until I remembered, she was banging on the door. I was like, oh, yeah, I've got to get her out of time. Um, it, was, it was definitely not more than two hours. It was definitely shorter than that. Um, but she disobeyed me, and then I found out later that she disobeyed Anna in the same way, literally in front of my face. There was, there was no like, question of, well, I didn't know that you didn't mean that. I mean, it was like, if you do that, you will be in trouble. And she did it. And it was like, wow, this is where we're at now. This is great. <laughs> um, so my, my, my command was as clear as it could be. It was authoritative. I, I hold authority. Um, and then she got a punishment for it. But it's possible that God has made commands just as clearly, and we disobey him. Okay? Um, and if we disobey him, is it just like Libby kind of taking that bike down that ramp? I think it's easy if we don't know the Bible or if we don't believe it or we don't understand what it is to disobey or to sin and to kind of have like an excuse like, well, I, I didn't know. But I don't think that's true. I think we do know. I think we know what's, what's right and what's wrong. Um, so here's some examples to kind of establish that the Bible is God's word if you're not convinced. And I'll be honest, like that's, that's, a, that's a tough question. To what degree is it God's word exactly? And we'll, like I said, try and get through some of that. But um, you see the phrase in the Old Testament, thus says the Lord, or thus saith the Lord, several occasions, uh, Exodus, Joshua, 1 Samuel, Isaiah, Deuteronomy, Jeremiah. Um, and this phrase is meant in a way to kind of mimic like the declaration or command of a king. Okay, So it kind of has that same sort of like literary feel. And so what it indicates is that what follows is to be obeyed without challenge or question. And so if you know anything about history, if like a king said to do something, you didn't do it, what would happen? 
your head would be cut off or you'd have a spear thrown through you or dropped in a pit or whatever. Um, and so it's a big deal when it does saith the Lord. There's a lot of other words that don't start with that, okay? So for the other words found in the Old Testament, though they're not attributed as direct quotes from God, they're also considered to be God's words, all right? So Paul, in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says that all Scripture is what? Yeah, God-breathed, breathed out of God, comes from God. Um, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In 2 Peter 3.16, Peter refers to all of Paul's letters, that's always kind of interesting to think about Peter writing something at the time that Paul is writing something. They're like contemporaries. I think that's an interesting one to think about it. Um, and he refers to Paul's letters as one part of the scriptures. So this means that for Peter, and I think also for the early church, that they considered Paul's writings to be in the same category as the Old Testament writings. Okay, So therefore, they would consider Paul's writings to be scripture or the word of God. Um, Paul in 1 Timothy 5.18, he says this, and kind of go with me on this, it's a little bit complex, but I think it makes a good point. He says, For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, whatever that means. You could probably walk us through that, Kyle. Um, he also says the laborer deserves his wages. All right, to me, that's a pretty mundane verse. I'm going to probably just like skip right over that if I'm reading it. What's interesting, though, is that first quote, the one about the ox and treading out the grain, um, it comes from the Old Testament. It is found in Deuteronomy 25.4. The second quote, the laborer deserves his wages, is from the New Testament. It's found in Luke 10.7. So what you see, and what I've not noticed before until I read this, is Paul, without any hesitation or any like, well, let me make this caveat first. This is the Old Testament, and well, this is the New Testament. Uh, he quotes from both, calling both Scripture. Now, of course, we know that there was no such thing as like an Old Testament, New Testament. It was just, these were just writings, okay? These were uh, revelations from God. Um, but we, we've separated them now. Um, 1 Corinthians 14.37 If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. So this is Paul saying this. It's a command of the Lord. And so the, the words of the New Testament are the very words of God. All right. So do you believe that? That's, that's the question. Um, do you believe that what we're reading is what Paul is saying is that? Has it been changed? Well, I don't know, and I'm not going to answer that today. Okay. Um, but I do know that Paul, that Peter, um, that writers in the Old Testament believe that these were the words of God, okay? Without hesitation, without caveat. They weren't, oh, I'm just going to say this, so I'll sell some more books. This is what, this is what they thought. Um, if the Bible is the word of God, then how did those words get written down? This could be its own lesson. I'm going to quickly go through it. Hebrews 1.1 says this, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And so I think it's true that there are various ways that God spoke through the writers of the Bible. In Revelation 2, uh, John spoke directly to the author, who simply recorded what he heard. So he had a vision, he wrote it down. Uh, in Luke, uh, you learn about how Luke, uh, he interviewed people, and he did research on things, and that was the way in which he wrote. In John 14, uh, at other times, the Holy Spirit brought to mind things that Jesus had taught. Okay, these are direct quotes from there. Um, and regardless of like the way the words came to the author, it did include obviously their personalities, their backgrounds, their, the time in which they were writing, you know, they're writing into these things. It wasn't like a robot was writing it down in a way that did not deal with their culture or be influenced by that. But this is what the author believes is what I believe is the words they wrote were exactly the words God wanted them to write. 
And I think you kind of have to accept that. I think you've got a couple options with all this. You can either believe that, because that's what it says, and you can believe that the canon that was created is uh, the result of God's influence, or you cannot. And I don't exactly know which one is the best option or the most right option, but I think you kind of have to make a decision. I think you kind of have to. I think you have to make a decision. I think you have to, at the very least, think through it. Um, and the conclusion is, is, if God claims all the words of Scripture as his own, then there's ultimately no higher authority one can appeal to for proof of this claim than the Scripture itself. So that's a little problematic, is how else do we come to an answer of what the Bible is but through the Bible? And that's kind of the catch-22 of it all. So it, it says a certain thing, but it's sort of this like circular argument. you know. Um, but as David discussed last week, if you're here for the doctrine class, there's three options other than the Scripture to determine what's right or what's doctrinal or what's authority. And the other three options are tradition, reason, or experience. And as we discussed last week, I think tradition, reason, and experience stand underneath the authority of the Scripture. Okay, the Holy Spirit. Uh, you'll hear this sometimes when it comes to doctrine is, well, the Spirit has revealed to me a new revelation about fill-in-the-blank. Okay, have you ever heard that? Um, maybe about cultural issues that are really pressing Maybe the Bible's clear, but maybe we say, well, the Bible, it's inerrant, or, or sorry, it has errors, or it's irrelevant, or the Spirit has really revealed through experiences that, in fact, God wants something different for us. Um, what do you think about that? So I, I think as we view the Bible, this in some ways is the most important question, right? Does the Bible, does the Word of God, authority over our lives. And if the answer is yes, then there's an opportunity there for when we disagree with Scripture to be sharpened, to be improved. Or if every time you come to a passage that you disagree with for what how what the Word of God is calling you to live, how you're supposed to behave with your money, or with sexual morality, or the way that you treat the poor, or the way that you treat people that are different than you, if, you, if we're free to throw out the things we disagree with, then we can never be sharpened and refined by so I, I think when you come to the Bible, the most important question is, does this book, the, the words of God, do they have authority over my life? And if the answer is yes, then this idea that you can have a, a, a personal revelation that gives you special permission to behave in ways that, that the Bible says are wrong, uh, that's obviously really dangerous. And that is not saying, you can't say the Bible has authority over your life, but God wants me to be happy so I can have an affair or divorce my wife or abandon my family. Um, you, I mean, we all heard people talk, talk that way, but that's, that's silly, and that's not what God, God's calling us to do. Yeah, I would say that it stands to reason that the Holy Spirit's not going to change the words of Scripture and would not reveal things that contradict what the Bible says. I, I think that it's funny how we kind of put those two things against each other, because mm -hmm. I think they're mutually inclusive. Mm -hmm. you, you can't, I don't think that you can interpret Scripture properly without the Holy Spirit and... and I don't. I think it would be hard to be um, guided into all truth um, without scripture. And so the two the two things they they they're mutually inclusive. They uphold each other. They're not in competition with one another. And I certainly don't think that, that the Holy Spirit would ever tell you anything different than what the Holy Spirit 
already said. <laughs> that, that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and yet it's an argument that's common. It's an argument, yeah. and God would be self-contradictory. Mm-hmm. So you, if you're going to say that the Holy Spirit told you something then other than what Scripture has told you, then what you have to say is that Scripture is a lie. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then if you say that, then the scripture is lost. It's not authoritative. It's lost all authority. So, um, so yeah, I don't. It just doesn't. It doesn't make you know, a lot of rational sense. To yeah, me. and we'll get to the spirit here in just a second in terms of how it clarifies. And uh, right here, the next statement is the Holy Spirit does, however, change the reader of Scripture and allow us to better understand it as we are more filled and more sanctified by it. Um, so I think that's true. Um, let's skip a little bit here. I'll just kind of quickly say is is that part of biblical authority. Is a, is a discussion on how accurate it is historically or scientifically. Uh, what I would say is, is that the Bible is accurate historically uh, in ways that a lot of other religious books aren't. In terms of science, uh, it's not trying to be a science textbook. So as a science person, that's super interesting to me. Obviously, you look at the days of creation and you've had people say, well, you can't have light before you have a sun. Duh, you know. Um, but I don't think it's intending to be at all times like a science textbook and exhaustive in that way, nor does it ever claim to be. And so... Uh, it can be true in a literary sense and not necessarily have to be true in a, in a modern scientific sense. Um, and it, again, does not make those claims. Um, I would say this, too, of, a, of biblical authority, and then we'll move on. Um, if the Bible affirms that it is the very words of God, and it does, we should seek to understand those words. And in doing so, we're understanding God himself. Okay? We should also seek to trust the words of Scripture, because in doing so, we are seeking to trust God himself. And we should seek to obey the words of Scripture because in doing so, we are seeking to obey God himself. So I think that analogy of like Libby, who's like literally looking at me, would be one thing if she just sort of heard over a loudspeaker or read on a piece of paper, don't do this. But for her to stand right in front of me and to hear it from my mouth, and, and, and I'm watching her, and then for her to disobey, that's an issue we're going to work through. But we should view the Bible as that, that God is speaking to us today and is expecting something in return from us. Okay, the second question, uh, basically, is the Bible clear? This is the one a lot of people said, no, it's not really clear. And I don't disagree. I think some passages in the Bible are easier to understand than others. Um, I guess this question, real quickly, what are some reasons you might not understand a section of Scripture? What are some quick reasons? If I wrote a letter to you, and then Kyle picks it up thousands and thousands of years later, I've made assumptions as the author things that you already know, things you know about me, hmm. the, the cultural context in which I write, thousands and thousands of years later, how much is lost. Not that what I wrote is right or wrong, or is wrong but hmm. have, as the author, I've made assumptions about what the reader knows or doesn't know. And so readers, thousands of years later, that's great. There's, there's loss. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we think that, that as one person in a country of three, more than 300 million people in a world of billions of people that average life of 70 years with such a long history when we start to challenge things that there are these presuppositions of this context that was written um, you know thousands of years ago we better be very careful about like, the, where we place ourselves and our ability so is the Bible clear? 
uh, not to somebody that may live till when he's 80 and doesn't can't understand all of these things. To your point about science, I mean, science is our attempt to explain something that has that's bigger than we are. So mm-hmm. I think that that you know, uh, you know, having this context from thousands of years ago to the letter, I think that is kind of this a broader thing to answer all these questions. Be humble because we're we're a lot smaller than we think we are. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so cultural context. Um, verses that didn't exist until the 13th century. I mean, you know, it's not, it wasn't written in that way anyway. Yeah. But yeah, you can take it purely out of context to serve a, a different need. Yep. I think my point would sound better if I made it in an Australian accent, by the way. Um, well, good luck <laughs> with that. It's beautiful. Um, but uh, I think that our minds are limited too. We have limited, our, our minds are not fully sanctified. And so they're going to be Parts of the Bible that are, are written to someone who is farther along in, in their spiritual journey, who's been who's, who's received a greater degree of sanctification. So, if I've been a, a Christian for forty years and I've been walking with God for four decades, I'm going to understand things that I wouldn't have understood forty years ago. And it, mm-hmm. that's actually beautiful because you're you're having new things revealed to you as you go along. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's part of it. Is we just don't understand things that we're that we're not really meant for a, a less mature Christian. We understand those things more and more. You keep taking all my points, but yes, it's very good. I mean, uh, that's not really One more question. Is it possible yeah. that it's intentionally unclear? Like, maybe the Lord wants us to be able to Ooh. search and not just hand us everything? You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's possible. I, I guess I'll, I'll jump in to say this, because there's the thing that Grant says I'm getting to this simplicity versus complexity statement. I guess what I would say just in a general sense is there are some things that are very simple, that are very clear, that are repeated over and over. I think the core things that we really need to know and that we really need to agree on, the primary doctrines, if you will, those are all very clear. There there shouldn't really be any doubt over those things. Then I think there's another level where it's eh, maybe a little bit odd, maybe intentionally so. Revelation, pretty weird. My conclusion from that, I guess, in terms of a question of clarity is, well, maybe it's not intended to be clear, or maybe it was written to a, a people that would have understood it differently, and I'm just, I don't have those context clues, and it's just sort of lost on me. But I think where the Bible is unclear in general, I think it's upon us to study it, to try and understand it better. But you can look at Revelation, and people have been studying that for 2,000 years, and still can't come to a conclusion, you know, at least not in full agreement. So it's, I think it's okay sometimes to say, eh, it's a mystery, and there are mysteries. We're told that of God, that some things are a mystery, and that we're not going to know them. There are elements of God's will that we know and that we understand very well, and there are elements of his will and of his nature that we'll never know. So, I mean, that's a good question I wish I could dig into more. I mean, I think it's just there are some things that are complicated, and then even Paul, you'll see him writing, he struggles with it. It's like trying to understand it. He's like trying to explain it. He's like, I don't quite get it, you know? And I think that's probably true of us, too. Um, let me skip over some of this. I think what Grant's saying about spiritual discernment is true, and that bears out in the Scripture. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.14, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And so, a proper understanding of Scripture is oftentimes more of a spiritual issue than it is an intellectual ability issue. And I think that's really important to understand. You see some of the smartest people in the world are like, I just don't get it. 
maybe you don't get it because you've not been able to give up your pride and, and you know give yourself over to this concept and give control up to Jesus. And uh, man, it's a whole lot longer aside, but we were having dinner with uh, my friend Chris and he's really into like healing prayer and so he's sort of charismatic in a lot of ways. And uh, it's interesting conversations always, but he says for anyone that ever comes to the point where they're willing to do that, they're always completely broken and desperate. And you see in the Bible, when people are healed by Jesus, what are they? Like, what's the one thing that's in common? They're desperate. Like, they're like, I'll do anything, you know? And so I think there's some truth to that, like, in terms of understanding and believing this, is that it requires a certain level of desperation of, you know, sort of like, I can't do this on my own. Like, I need help here. Um, So, um, and so I guess I would say is, is that when we struggle with an interpretation of a biblical, uh, you know, verse or concept, it's, it's on us. The problem lies on us. It's not to say that, well, God, you should have written this a little bit differently. Like, I don't quite get it. I think there's a reason for it. Okay? All right, so let's jump on to the necessity of the Bible. Um, I think this is an interesting one. I don't know if the answer is as satisfactory, but there's some interesting conversation here. Um, so I would say to become a Christian, to live as a Christian, to grow as a Christian, those things are clearly presented in the Bible the question becomes, is it necessary to have the Bible to be those things? Um, I think it's true that there are many things about Christianity that we could never know without the Bible. Um, and then I think there's some things that we can know without the Bible, okay? Um, but the necessity of Scripture means that it's necessary to read the Bible or have someone tell you about the Bible if we're going to know God personally, if we're going to have our sins forgiven, if we're going to know with certainty that God, uh, what, what His will for us is. Um, I want to do some discussion here, but I don't think we have time. Um, we do need the Bible for sanctification. If we neglect to read it, we're not going to go through that process in the way that uh, God wants for us. It's going to be detrimental to our spiritual health. Um, and the Bible is really our only source for clear statements about His will. On the other hand, you could say that there are many things that are just evident through nature, through life, through experience about God. Okay, so what are those things? Well, we learn about His character. We learn that he exists. We learn about moral laws, all without the Bible. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Romans 1 says, What may be known about God is plain to the wicked, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So we can know who God is. We can know some basics about God. But I think it's important to realize is that without the Bible, and there were some some differences on how we answered this, there's a lot of stuff that we really would not know, which is why we have it. I think it's that's why it is sustained. I think that's why it is so uh, common. But then there's some problematic questions that come up. Well, what about people who don't have the Bible? What about people in the Old Testament? Like, what, what what's going to be their option? And we don't have time to get into it, so I'm just going to push through it. Um, there's a difference, though, in general revelation and special revelation. General revelation is not the Bible. It's distinct from the Bible. It's general. It's common to all of us. And this is the idea, like there from Romans and from Psalm, like there are certain things that are just natural to us that we understand that have been generally revealed to us. The conscience that exists inside of us, sort of like the miracle of childbirth, the beauty of creation, those all speak to us and give us a sense of God or something bigger than all this. Like this couldn't have just happened. Special revelation, though, is God's revelation to specific people, and that is the Bible. So that is special revelation that he gave to certain people over thousands of years that he's then passed down to us. And there's a huge difference between those. All right, last question. Is the Bible sufficient? And this is a question of, 
is the Bible enough? Are there things that the Bible doesn't get to that we need? To this question, I would say yes and no. I think there are questions that the Bible does not answer and is not trying to answer. Is a projector theologically okay? Um, for me, yes. Um, but I don't think the Bible speaks to it for many reasons, okay? And so um, I think that, again, the core stuff, the things that are most important, what does it take to be a Christian? What is it like to live as a Christian? What happens to us when we die? Those primary things, that is in the Bible and it's clear. Um, there are secret things. In Deuteronomy it says that. Um, and here is the, the conclusion statement. is I think there are, uh, there are things in the Bible that are not answered. And when that's the case, I think we have to look to the Bible and other places to discern what to do. Okay, so there are issues like uh, in Romans 14, it talks about not eating meat offered to idols. It never says in the Bible that that's a sin, so we can conclude it's not a sin, okay? And so if there's some other thing, like there's no statement in the Bible that says a projector is wrong or sinful, so it's not sinful, okay? And yet there are some things that were not ideas during the New Testament church that we can discern pretty easily from other statements that that's wrong, like marrying oneself. That doesn't match at all the script for marriage. That was not something that people were doing back then. There was no like, convention for that. But we can easily discern that that's wrong. I think when it gets kind of weird, it's stuff like, well, what do we do about instruments? Or what do we do about uh, you know, when churches argue over having a kitchen or not or whatever? Some of those issues come down to like a Romans 14 thing where it says, well, I'm going to give in to the weaker brother on that issue. Uh, I'm going to use my liberty in a way to keep unity in this church or in this, in this family. And I think there's sometimes where it's like, brother, that is, that is not, you cannot lift that up on this high of a pedestal. Like, we're going to have a kitchen because we're going to eat together or whatever. I don't know what those issues are for you. I was told I was going to hell because my church had a gym when I was young. Like, I don't know. If, if that's why I'm going to hell, then I feel like the rest of all this is kind of silly, okay? Um, so, that's kind of like where I would say on all that. I know I don't know that I adequately got to everything, but I think that is, is kind of the, the, the call to all this, is to be humble, to fit under the authority of the Bible, to understand how many thousands of years and, and millions of people have interfaced with this book, and billions, in fact, at least 20% of them, um, and that we shouldn't be you know, generational snobs about how we view the Bible, that now, for the first time ever, we understand that the Bible is not accurate and that it is no longer relevant and that the, the Spirit is revealing to us things that directly contradict the Bible. I think those are, those are pretty bold statements to make. Um, so, hopefully this spurs on some discussion during lunch. I wish we had more time to get through more of it, but we don't. But I will leave you with that.